Welcome to More, the podcast where Debbie will explore real-life applicable ways to get more out of your life. And here's Debbie. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to More. So excited to be with you. It's like the Christmas season right in the middle of it. And so I hope you're having a good Christmas. And of course, some people will listen to this. It won't even be Christmas time, which is totally fine. Um, chapter two of Atomic Habits by James Clear. What, a, what an amazing book. How your habits shape your identity and vice versa. And basically, this is a lot about what you say to yourself, your self-talk. Um, he says, he starts out and says, why is it so easy to repeat bad habits and so hard to form good habits? Few things can have a more powerful impact on your life than improving your daily habits. And yet, it's likely that at this time next year, you'll be doing the same thing rather than something better. He says, it often feels like difficult to keep good habits going for more than a few days, even with sincere effort. And the occasional burst of motivation, habits like exercise, meditation, journaling, and cooking are reasonable for a day or two and then become a hassle. However, he says, once your habits are established, they seem to stick around forever. Um, I really had a hard time making brushing my teeth before I went to bed a habit. But once I did get it become, it became a habit. It is, it sticks around forever. Like I can't, I can't go to sleep. Sometimes if I fall asleep before it's time to sleep, like I fall asleep in bed, then I'll wake up and I'll have to go brush my teeth during the night because it is, it's just ingrained in me. But the same goes true for habits that we don't want to have. They, the unwanted ones, they stick around too. Despite our best intentions, unhealthy habits like eating junk food, watching too much TV, procrastinating, and smoking can feel impossible to break. Changing our habits is difficult and challenging for two reasons. One, we try to change the wrong thing. And two, we try to change our habits in the wrong way. So this chapter is going to focus on, number one, changing the wrong thing. First, he says there's three um, levels that change occurs. The first layer, the outside layer, is changing your outcome. Just like your goals, like he talked about before, what you want to lose weight, to meditate more, to write a book, to win a game, to make a team, whatever those goals are. <clears throat> the second layer is changing the process, which is what we talked about last time, the symptom, the systems, how you go about achieving that goal. Um, decluttering your desk, implementing a new routine at the gym, starting a new meditation practice. Um, then he says the third and the deepest lever is or layer, I mean, is with changing your identity. He says this level is concerned with changing your beliefs, your worldview, your self-image, your judgments about yourself and others. One of the hardest things to change, I would say. Most of the beliefs, assumptions, and biases you you hold are associated with this level. Outcomes are about what you get, what happens when you do something processes, the systems, 
The things you do to get those outcomes are what you do, but identity is what you believe. This chapter is about identity, what you believe. He says, when it comes to building habits that last, when it comes to building a system of 1% improvements, the problem is not that one level is better or worse than the other. All the levels of change that he's talked about are useful, but the problem is the direction of the change. He said many people begin the process of changing their habits but by focusing on what they want to achieve. This leads us to outcome-based habits. He said the alternative or the best way to do it is to build identity-based habits. This is where we start focusing on who we wish we want to become. So this is the difference in response. He says, imagine two people resisting a cigarette. When offered to smoke, the first person says, no thanks, I'm trying to quit. The second person says, no thanks, I'm not a smoker, even though they have been a smoker in their past. But smoking was part of their formal life and not their current life. They no longer identify themselves as a smoker. He says most people don't even consider like thinking of themselves as different when they set out to improve. They just think, I want to be skinny. That's the outcome. And if I stick to this diet, I'll be skinny. That's the process. They set goals and determine the actions they should take to achieve the goals without considering the beliefs that drive their actions. They never shift the way they look at themselves. And they don't realize that their old identity can sabotage their new plans for change. You have a new goal, you have a new plan, but you haven't changed who you are. He says the ultimate form of intrinsic motivation or motivation because you want to do it, just it just becomes part of you, is when a habit becomes part of your identity. So this is a real problem for me with piano playing. I always say to I always say in my mind, I'm just not a piano player. Because I believe that a piano player sits down, and we were at a Christmas party last night, and my neighbor, their daughter, just sat down at the piano and played all these beautiful Christmas songs just from memory. She was just playing them. And I, I associate that kind of person with a piano player, which I don't play in front of people a lot. I don't have a lot of things memorized, but I still can play the piano. So I have to start saying to myself, I am a piano player player. This is like positive affirmations over and over. Um, it's the one it's one thing to say I'm the type of person who wants this. It's something very different to say I'm the type of person who is this. He says the more pride you have in a particular aspect of your identity, who you are, the more motivated you will be to maintain the habits associated with it. So it's interesting with pickleball, like I don't even have to think twice. I just say, I am a pickleball player. I am a pickleball player. And it came easy to me because I am an athlete. As a kid, I was an athlete. Everything about me did all kinds of sports. I played two college sports. So I just am that, right? And I, I don't even think twice about it. But I can work on this with I am a musician or I am a great mom or I am an amazing grandma or whatever 
thing that we want to be. I am an athlete. I am a good student. All of these things, we just have to take on that identity and start to believe it. So he says, if you're proud of how your hair looks, you'll develop all sorts of habits to care for and maintain it. If you're proud of the size of your biceps, you'll make sure you never skip an upper body workout. If you're proud of the scarves you knit, you'll be more likely to spend hours knitting each week. He says, once your pride gets involved, you'll fight tooth and nail to maintain your habits. And I think that's pretty true. Um, True behavior change is identity change. So let's say that again. True behavior change is identity change. He says you you might start a habit because of motivation, but the only reason you stick with it is because it becomes part of your identity. Anyone can convince themselves to visit the gym or eat healthy once or twice, but if you don't shift your belief behind the behavior, then it's hard to stick with it. Long-term changes. He says the goal is not to read a book, but to become a reader. The goal is not to run a marathon, but to become a runner. The goal is not to learn an instrument, but to become a musician. He says once your behavior and your identity, who you believe you are, are fully aligned, you are no longer pursuing behavior change. You're simply acting like the type of person that you already believe yourself to be. This same kind of thinking can work against you when you believe things negative about yourself. Let's say you say, I'm terrible with directions. I'm not a morning person. I'm bad at remembering people's names. I'm always late. I'm not good with technology. I'm horrible at math and every other thing that we can say. When you have repeated a story to yourself for so many years, it's easy to slide into these mental grooves and accept them as a fact. In time, you begin to resist certain actions because you say to yourself, that's not who I am. There's no internal pressure to maintain your self-image and behave in a way that's consistent with your beliefs. So I really think this is such a fixed mindset. And so believing and just understanding mindset and believe that you can have a growth mindset at any age and at any ability that you can change and make differences is a huge part of becoming who you really want to be is learning to have that growth mindset. He says, good habits can make rational sense, but if they conflict with your identity, you will fail to put them into action. So I was with two people yesterday. We we were at a Christmas party, and one wasn't eating at all. And her identity was, she just says, I just don't eat after 6 p.m. I've been doing it for like two years, and it's just who I am. And it was easy for her to just sit there while everybody was eating. Another woman that was there was saying, I don't eat sweets anymore. I don't eat any sugar things anymore. It's just who I am. And that person I've known for a long time, and she just was a sugar fanatic before. So it just becomes something that you are, and when that becomes who you are, then you can do it. But I was sitting there thinking, yeah, this is not who I want to be. I thought through myself, what if we had a party that everybody was at 8 o'clock and we are having it at my house and You know, like, I don't want to do that. And so I have to find what works for me and what I want to do and what I want to become. And then when you 
So I feel like this kind of goes with really who you want to be also, you know, your desire for these things. So I cleanse once a week, almost every single week, and which is basically like a 24 fast, 24 hour fast. And it's just kind of become who I am. And it's easy for me to do. And it's just part of who I am. And I feel better when I do it. And so I just keep doing it. And I like it. Once in a while, I usually cleanse on Mondays. But once in a while, I'll have like an event. My husband will have a work dinner that I need to go to with him. And then I just go to the work dinner and then I cleanse on Tuesday or something. And so it works really well for me because I can just substitute the day and not feel like I'm missing out on anything. And it's just become who I am. And it's something I like it because I feel so much better when I do it. I feel powerful and strong. But it is who I am now. He says that progress requires unlearning. You have to change who you are. Becoming the best version of yourself requires you to continuously edit your beliefs and to upgrade and expand your identity. And this is the real challenge because we get so set in our ways that we think that our way is the right way. And you know what? Sometimes it's just not. Sometimes we need to change those thinking, that thinking and those beliefs. I've learned that a little as I've gotten to be like a parent of adult children. So sometimes my children take on the things that the beliefs that I raise them with and other times they don't. And it doesn't matter who, what they choose and what they want to be is who I need to be happy with. And that's editing my beliefs to let them be who they want to be. And it's a challenge, but it's the right thing to do. And it takes work. And unlearning things takes a little bit of work. But that's when you know that you're really growing and becoming when you can change and be someone different and think in a different way. So now he talks about how do you do this? How can you emphasize the new aspects of your identity that serve you and gradually erase the pieces that hinder you? He says it's a two-step process to changing your identity. He says your habits are how you embody your identity or what you think of as your identity. It are your habits. When you make your bed each day, you embody the identity of an organized person. When you write every day, you embody the identity of a creative person. When you train every day, you embody the identity of an athletic person. He says the more that you repeat a behavior, the more you reinforce the identity associated with that behavior. So your identity is literally your repeated beingness so whatever you repeat and do over and over again is your identity whatever your identity is right now you only believe it because you have proof of it if you go to church every sunday for 20 years you have evidence that you are religious if you study biology every day for an hour you have evidence that you are studious if you go to the gym, even when it's snowing, you have evidence that you are committed to fitness. The more evidence you have for a belief, 
the more strongly you will believe it. So the habits that we create, create the identity that we have. He said when he was young, he didn't like to write. Nobody really thought of him as a writer. He wasn't even a good writer, but he didn't start out as a writer. But as he continued to do it, it became habitual and he became a better writer. So suddenly he became a writer because it was just something he did all the time. He says, of course, your habits are not the only actions that influence your identity, but by virtue of their frequency, they are usually the most important things that help you define your identity and who you are. Just because you kick your uh, ball once, you're not a soccer player, but as you can continue to repeat these actions over and over, the evidence accumulates and you begin to change. And these experiences create the person that you are, which means that your habits contribute most of the evidence that shapes your identity. In this way, the process of building habits is actually the process of becoming yourself. So this is how you can change and be different because you just start creating different Habits. And what I love about this chapter is he says, this is a gradual evolution. You don't just change overnight. We don't change by snapping our fingers and deciding now we're going to be someone entirely new. We change bit by bit, day by day, habit by habit, and we are continually undergoing, undergoing the micro evolutions of self. Small changes, little by little, little becomes a lot. No single instance will transform your beliefs, but as you continue to do those things, so does the evidence of your new identity. This is, this is my favorite part of the chapter. This is one reason why meaningful change does not require radical or overnight change. Small habits can make a meaningful difference by providing evidence of a new identity. So you, it just gives you the freedom. You don't have to be different all of a sudden. And if change is meaningful, it's actually big. That's the, that's the paradox or the irony to making small improvements. The small improvements, little by little, changes who you are. Each time you practice, the violin, you're a musician. Each time you work out, you're an athlete. Each time you encourage your employees, you're a leader. Each habit not only gets results, but also teaches you something far more important, to trust yourself. You start to believe that you can actually accomplish these things. And when the votes mount up and you keep doing the things, the evidence begins to change as well. And then the story you tell yourself begins to change as well. So you can have the positive affirmations, but then you put some small changes, little by little habits behind it, and you really do change. And of course, it works the opposite. Every time you choose to perform a bad habit, then you it's a vote for that identity. So this is really powerful too. The good news is you don't need to be perfect. In any election, someone running for office, there are going to be votes for both sides. You don't need a unanimous vote to win an election. You just need a majority. So it doesn't matter if you cast a few votes for bad behavior or an unproductive habit. Your goal is simply to win 
the majority of the time. So you might go forward three steps and back two, forward three, back one, but you're still winning, right? So see, he says, these are the things that you need to do. These are the two steps. Number one, decide the type of person you want to be. So where is the desire? What is the want? And prove it to yourself with small wins. Ask yourself some of these questions. Who is the type of person that I that could get the outcome that I want? Who is the type of person that could lose 40 pounds? Who is the type of person that could learn a new language? Who is the type of person that could run a new business? And then you start saying those things with positive affirmations. I'm the kind of teacher who stands up for the, her students. I'm a, the kind of piano player that can learn new songs and play readily. I'm the kind of doctor who gives each patient the time and empathy they need. Once you have a handle on the type of person you want to be, you can begin by taking small steps to reinforce your desired identity. He says, I have a friend who lost over 100 pounds by asking herself, what would a healthy person do? All day long, she would use this question as a guide. Would a healthy person walk or take a cabbie? Take a cab. Would a healthy person order a burrito or a salad? She figured if she acted like a healthy person long enough, eventually she would become that person. And she was right. The focus should always be on becoming that type of person, not getting a particular outcome. Then he goes on to say that the rest of the book is going to have step-by-step -step instructions on how to build better habits in yourself, your family, your team, and anywhere else that you want. And then he says, but the true question is, are you becoming the type of person you want to become? And the question is not really how, but who do you want to become? And then he says, you have the power to change your beliefs about yourself. Your identity is not set in stone. You have a choice in every moment. You can choose the identity you want to reinforce today with the habits that you choose today. And ultimately, your habits matter because they help you become the type of person you want to be. They are the channel through which you develop your deepest beliefs about yourself. Quite literally, you become your habits. Wow, I'm so excited to keep reading. There's so many things to think about in these books, and I'm just grateful for the opportunity to learn and share. I hope you guys have a great Christmas and a great um, <clears throat> New Year, and we'll see you in the next podcast. Bye, everybody.